Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. So I am so excited to have Ann Dickinson join us on the program today. I met Ann not that long ago, but we hit it off right away because of uh, our specialties, uh, both being around helping people focus on their relationship with money, although in two different ways. So let me tell you a little bit about Ann. Um, she calls herself the Cash Flow and Profits Optimizer, and she uses Profit Leaks X-ray Vision to help overwhelmed business leaders take back control of their business finances, stop money from falling through the cracks, and make moves that result in more money, more time, and more freedom. That sounds great. She's the creator of Stop the Profit Leaks Formula, and she isn't afraid to get her hands dirty as she works side-by-side -side with business leaders to identify and eliminate money leaks, ignite profits and improve cash flow, and liquidity to create a strong, healthy business. Anne has an MBA from Babson College. She worked in events and high-tech industries, packed and sold assets. You know what? As a former FDIC bank examiner, I think I know what she's talking about. <laughs> Dissected and improved operations, set up treasury departments, and owned successful entrepreneur ventures. So please welcome Anne to the podcast today. Thank you, Kathleen. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I think we talked about this before that, you know, I look at more of the emotional side of money and you get in and do kind of the brass tacks uh, and help people get over their ambivalence uh, about addressing uh, the financial aspect of their business. So not surprisingly, your myth today that we're going to work at uh, busting wide open is it is okay to ignore your finances. So tell me a little bit, Anne, about what motivated you to pick this myth. Well, well, it's it's part and parcel, really, of what I what I do and how I help businesses. Right? It's um, my mission is to to improve uh, profits, cash flow, and operations, and it's really hard to do that if you're ignoring your finances. It's interesting. I'm going to fess up about something today with you and and the audience. The other day I was listening to a coaching tape and one of the things they said is, what's one behavior you would like to change? And to pick that behavior and think about small steps, you know, your usual coaching thing. Mm -hmm. And so I picked, I should pay attention to my numbers more. And then this morning I wake up and you are my podcast guest. <laughs> so this is uh, not an accident. So that's how it relates to me. But you tell me, how do you think uh, people who buy into this myth, especially business owners, when they buy into the myth that it's okay to ignore their finances, um, how do you think it impacts them both personally and professionally? I think, um, <clears throat> well, professionally, 
the probability is extraordinarily high that they are not uh, running as profitable and, and healthy a business as they probably could um, because they're, you know, they're doing it by the seat of their pants. Right. And personally, whether they will fess up to it or not, it likely increases the stress level in their, in their life uh, because they don't really know what's going on. You know, knowledge is power. And running things by the seat of your pants and just sort of saying, well, you know, there's money in the bank and so it's going to be okay, it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't really cut it. So let me play devil's advocate because one of the things that sometimes people do is they ignore the numbers and it actually, maybe it's just in the short term, but it reduces their stress level. So you're saying that by not knowing the numbers, they're going to be more stressed out. Can you give me an example or a story of someone you've worked with where that's the case? Uh, sure. <clears throat> um, I was talking to a, a potential client just recently, and she was at a situation where, you know, her business has been going along uh, kind of sort of okay she thinks maybe I don't know and she finally realized that it's she really doesn't know how well her business is doing sure there may be some money in the bank um, sometimes but she doesn't know how much stuff costs she doesn't really know if she's making money on any of her products uh, on a regular basis and her stress level has been just crazy high because she doesn't know and so it makes her afraid I don't know whether I'm going to be able to keep this thing going that I really love to do um, so I would say that's one example no that's a great example of kind of not so it's really not looking at any of the numbers is she paying herself a salary does she is she able to pay herself or is she kind of just oh there's money in the bank I'll take some here or there because I've certainly known people who have done that in business and that can be a little um, scary right right now she's uh, she's in in the latter category gotcha right. so before we get into more about how this can get in the way you know obviously ignoring mm -hmm. your finances typically is not a good thing a lot of people don't want to do it but they do it anyway for a variety of reasons but before mm -hmm. we you know continue down this path of oh you really should change this mindset is there any way in which it helps even if it's I don't know in the short run or is there any way in which it can help a business owner to ignore their finances <laughs> Well, as you just said, it, 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 you know, I suppose there's some circumstance. You don't have to agree um, with me, Ann. You I can don't, have a totally I different perspective. I personally can't think of one. Um, I, I, you know, I really can't come up with one myself. I guess the, you know, the only one I can think of, I think of, the, and, you know, I'm not going to mention names here, but I know somebody who is running a business and um, I think it's very similar to what you're talking about, where she gets a lot of attention for the business. She's gotten some press for the business. I mean, it's a really awesome concept, but mm -hmm. she doesn't draw a salary. She, it seems much to me, and I you don't want to be too judgy here, but it seems almost like a hobby as opposed to really working out, out and figuring out how can I be profitable? How can I be strategic? How can I do things to get to the next level? And I think it might help her because I 
think that allows her to have the freedom that she wants, that she could probably have anyway, um, to bike or hike or travel and not feel like she has to worry about this business. So it's ironic. I, I think it can work different ways based on your money psychology. Mm-hmm. I suppose so. I mean, I, I like your point about it being a hobby. I think that's that can tend to be um, often part of the, the mindset. Is, I don't, I don't want to think about this because then you're right. I do have to take responsibility and I don't, the numbers scare me. Um, and so they sort of keep it in the hobby form. And it's like, okay, do you want to have a business or don't you? Right, right. And numbers scare me. Now, when you say that, I have to ask the gender question. Do you find that you see this more with women entrepreneurs or business owners than male entrepreneurs? Or maybe you don't have um, the data from different genders and, and maybe can't answer that question. Uh, I do. No, it does tend to be more women than men who who sort of freak out at the numbers. Um, now, I know we're getting a little bit off on a tangent, but I'm always curious when it comes to gender stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's more women? Like, what do you think it is about women and money? I think, well, I think part of it depends on um, the age, what generation they're from, and how, I think, how... Um, they were or were not taught math at a young age, um, I think has impacted a lot of women uh, in terms of if they didn't, if they were told, well, either you're not going to need it or, or, you know, this is going to be hard for you, it can, it can impact how they, how they look at it. So, I, right. So, so I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about older generations, like traditional, later baby right. boomers, yes. who, who society really felt like, oh, you know, you don't have to worry about it too much. You're going to get married. You know, right. he's going to take care of you. So there's an assumption that you're going to get married to a man and that he's going right. to financially take care of you, which is ironic because I just did a podcast recently where the myth is a man is not a plan. So, uh, you know, this this notion that women aren't as qualified to do math or that numbers should be scary to women versus men. It sounds like you see that in action in the work that you do. I have seen it and not and it, you know, as I said, I think it depends a lot on on what their upbringing was and what they, you know, maybe they just decided that math was going to scare them. Um, I mean, the point I always make to, to the people I, I work with is, this is arithmetic, folks. It's not calculus. It's addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division to figure out how to run a company. So it doesn't need to be that scary. I mean, yeah, we only have 10 fingers and toes, but calculators are pretty available these days. <laughs> and so, Anne, if you had to reframe, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, believe me, I, I have trouble doing math without them, but you can do the math with them. So right. if the myth is it's okay to ignore your finances, how would you reframe that? What do you tell clients that come to work with you or business owners that you speak to? You know, what is a better way or a healthier way of thinking about finances when it comes to business? Uh, a healthy way to look at it to me, is knowledge is power. And the more 
information that you can get and make decisions uh, and, and be able to make decisions based on real data, the smarter, more effective decisions you're likely to make. Right? So if you're just looking at a bank account and saying, oh, look, there's $2,000 in the bank, therefore I have money, versus I know that my product costs whatever it costs and my, um, therefore I'm making so much profit on each, each one and oh, by the way, my marketing is sort of only sort of kind of maybe effective and I should look at a different way of doing it. Um, you know, that can really, it can just make you a, 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 frankly, a more confident business owner. I've seen a lot of transformation in people who have learned to understand why are the numbers important and what can I use to help me run my business and I've watched them blossom I mean it really uh, can be transformative for people there is a great study out there by Carleton University it's sponsored by the Bank of Montreal was done maybe last year about female entrepreneurs and risk and one of the things that they say in addition to the fact that women tend to evaluate more than just financial return on investment when taking a business risk they also look at lifestyle they look mm -hmm. at you know where they're at in in their uh, life cycle there's a variety of things that they they evaluate compared to what a typical bi male business owner would do but what is interesting because it dovetails what you just said is they say that the women who have more financial confidence actually are more willing to take risk if you think about it as a business owner and both of us are business owners you have to take calculated risks in order to um you know grow your business right. as opposed to just sometimes you can throw a dart you know and and do the best you can but eventually you need to be pretty strategic and it sounds like that's what you're helping people do be strategic using financial knowledge as power to make better decisions and it must be awesome to work with uh women in particular and see them become more financially confident Oh, it is. It's it's uh, it's just flat out fun, right? <laughs> it, it just really is. Um, and frankly, it's fun to watch um, men who have been sort of stumbling around by the seat of their pants um, and and get some confidence too. Well, and I think it's sometimes hard for men because there is a myth out there, and I talk about this in my new book, Breaking Money Silence, that will be released this fall, is there's a myth that all men are financially literate and somehow they have it all together. And I think in some ways that does men and women a disservice because I'm sure there's a fair amount of small business owners who are really good at what they do but have kind of the same resistance around the numbers or maybe never get to the numbers, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. Oh, I think Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I just think even from a from a personal money standpoint, I think of my folks who are well beyond the, the uh, baby boomer generation, and in an unusual situation, my mother was uh, has been the one who's always paid the bills, uh, and I think until about ten years ago, my dad probably didn't even know where the checkbook was, um, but at the same time, he sort of did all the investing. So it was it was an interesting um, mix of of roles because typically um, for that generation women had no idea where the money was or right. what it was. Right. And what I find is the more and more we talk about it, the more uh, women outwardly did not show that they had financial knowledge or participated, but that some of the women did some of the roles that your mom 
uh, might have mm-hmm. done. Um, but to get back to kind of thinking about the business owners and, and the folks that you work with and, and people listening in, I mean, one of the things I'm doing, because I admitted up front that I want to pay more attention to my numbers, it isn't that I don't pay any attention, but I think, oh, I could take it to the next level. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, if there's business owners like myself who have had a certain level of success, but no maybe we should, you know, do a little bit more consistent financial analysis or look into certain things a little bit more in detail, or somebody who's newer to business and saying, oh, I know, I know I should know my numbers, but but I don't. Uh, and it scares me, like the client you described before, what's some mm-hmm. advice you would give to get started? Like, what's a tip or two to get somebody on the right path? So the biggest tip I can get, I get give to really get started is to actually keep the books current and accurate. Have an accounting program that's used and as opposed to a box of receipts in the corner that gets, you know, given to the tax person once a year. And just get familiar with, okay, I, I'm going to put these numbers in these boxes and then after I get comfortable doing that, I can start looking at them and saying, okay, what do they mean that they're in these categories? And how can I use that information? So really baby steps of saying, okay, yes. if I'm at the place where I'm throwing receipts in a box um, and we have this technology, I need to figure out how to use this technology. And secondly, then becoming familiar with the categories. Now, I have the advantage of, you know, in a former life, it feels like at this point, I was an FDIC bank examiner, uh, mm-hmm. and I was a commissioned bank examiner, so I could balance banks and things like that. So I have right. some accounting knowledge, and some people do and some people don't. If somebody right. doesn't have any accounting knowledge, you know, should they read up on it? Should they work with someone either like you or their bookkeeper? Or how do you, you know, because I can imagine sitting there having a bunch of receipts in a box and saying, oh, I don't know how to put them into QuickBooks or Quicken or, right. you know, whatever system. Right. Um, right. In what categories? Uh, you know, I have, I, right. in the past, I had enough knowledge to really mess up my books and then had to hire someone to get them straightened out. Sure. So, um, you know, what would you say in terms of consultation? Like when and how and who should they consult with? I would, I would start with uh, a good bookkeeper. Um, emphasis on good. And let them help the business owner categorize the stuff uh, and put it into the um, into the accounting program, whether it's QuickBooks or whatever it is. And then talk to someone like like me, right? Because what I do is I'm not a bookkeeper and I'm not a CPA. I'm I'm an analyst in effect, right? Bookkeepers and and accountants, in the broadest scheme of things, put numbers in boxes according to the rules and regulations of the road. And my job is to say, okay, let's assume they're in the correct rules and regulations boxes. What What does it mean? And how can we make your business stronger and better and help you make better decisions based on where they are now and how they could be changed? 
Now, I imagine that makes perfect sense to me, right? So you have the bookkeeper or the CPA. I, I like that idea of putting boxes and numbers, numbers and boxes or whatever, um, because it's really getting it organized. And then it's someone like you coaching um, a business owner on, okay, what does this mean? Where are places you can improve? Um, right. I imagine one of the hurdles for somebody out there listening would be, oh, then I have to share my financial information with Anne. Someone else is going to know my numbers. How do you help your clients overcome that? Well, that's a good question. At, at, at some point, they just, they've got to trust, right? I'm, my mission is to help them have a smarter, have, have a, a healthier business. And it does them no good, nor me any good, if they're, if they're not willing to really completely open the kimono. Mm -hmm. um, because half information is, is, is actually usually less than half good, right? They, they've just got to say, you know what, this is going to help me more than it's going to embarrass me if they think it's going to embarrass them. It's not, it's not about embarrassment. It's about, okay, here's where you're at. Hmm, okay, how can we make that better? Well, and, you know, I've had a couple of conversations with you about different things uh, along the line of mm -hmm. talking about money in, in this podcast. And, you know, my sense is that, you know, you want to work with someone like you who's very open and non-judgmental and, and can kind of separate, okay, you may feel uncomfortable, but, but pretty soon once you open the kimono to use what you're talking, you know, your metaphor mm -hmm pretty soon you're going to feel more comfortable. And what I find is that it's like money conversations. You know, this is a money conversation. And right. it's if you can just take that leap of faith that initially, if you are uncomfortable, you're going to feel uncomfortable. And then you're going to feel so much better uh, once you get into this type of work. And your business is going to do better. And, you know, we need more uh, business men and women, but certainly women who are more financially astute, more strategic, who then can go after funding, who can help close the gender gap. I mean, there's so many things beyond just the individual business that would benefit if more people um, were understanding their numbers and knew that financial knowledge is power. Absolutely right. And it goes beyond just the, the financial numbers, right? Once you have the financial numbers, you also then can, can go and look at, okay, well, what about my processes? Are there, are there ways that I can improve what I'm doing? Are there ways that uh, I can have a more efficient business? Now, that may not strictly be the accounting numbers, but they're still numbers. And they're still um, looking at how to make improvements within the business. Right. My, my goal is to look holistically at the business. I happen to start with the numbers. Well, and I think that's so great because I can tell you um, as a serial entrepreneur, although I guess I don't jump businesses, I just really like being an entrepreneur. <laughs> I uh, There's always, I mean, the thing I love about it and the thing that can be sometimes frustrating about it is there's always ways to improve your systems, your processes, the way you do your finances, mm -hmm. the way you do your billing, the way you do your marketing. And so, you know, as opposed to looking at it as, oh, you know, I, I got to do this, looking at it as, oh, here's the next challenge. And it sounds like you really help people with the financial challenge. And then if they want to continue to work, uh, taking that next step. Now, time has gone so fast, Anne, like, like a blink of an eye and we're already wow. running, I'm running late 
as they say, oh. for my 20-minute podcast. But I just just wanted to keep going. In fact, I could talk to you again. So we're going to need to have you back. But right now, what I want you to do is tell people a little bit more about how they can find you. And I know you have an upcoming uh, retreat, and I'm wondering if that's live or virtual. So can you tell us about the two events that are coming up for you in, in case someone wants to uh, tap into your expertise? Sure. Uh, so I will be speaking at a three-day live event that is in Toronto, um, the full name of which I confess escapes me at the That's moment. That's right. I think I have it here in writing, your million-dollar message retreat. There you go. Uh, it is a women-only retreat. It's put on by a fantastic um, individual, Eleanor Beaton. And I will be speaking at that event uh, over Memorial Day weekend. And then I have a free uh, virtual training coming up on June 8th that is entitled Five Ways to Keep More of the Money You're Making. And it's a, it's about an hour or 75 minute um, free training that is full of content and uh, ways to improve your business. Excellent. Um, well, listen, you know, when we post this blog, I mean blog, podcast, and put it up on the blog, I will make sure that there are links to those two events. Toronto is beautiful this time of year. I know I do some work there. Um, but is. if you can't make it, certainly I think the virtual training, depending on where you're listening, might be a really great thing to check out. So mm-hmm. we definitely will include that. And there is a lot more for us to chat about. So hopefully you'll join the Breaking Money Silence podcast again in the future, Anne. I would be delighted. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for uh, playing with us today. I want to thank everybody who's listening for listening to the Breaking Money Silence podcast, that together we can break money silence for good. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, your host. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at BreakingMoneySilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to KBKWealthConnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.